Father, we come before you this morning once again as we begin our worship service with songs of praise to you. Lord, we pray that these would not just be words that we sing, but truths that we live, that we would be able to feel and enjoy the glory of walking with the Savior each and every day. Lord, we pray that our songs would glorify thee and that you would be pleased with our offering of music to you. Lord, we ask that you would guide and direct the sermon this morning, that hearts would be touched. And Lord, those that are going to be baptized, Lord, this is worship, obedience to your word. We ask that our worship would not be confined to the walls of this building, but would be lived each and every day this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please, if you would. And let's turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I've often had people after the service say, Pastor, I think you preached that sermon directly to me. And I want you to know that in the 19... Or so years, I have been the pastor of this church. I've never come into the pulpit with somebody's name in my sermon notes, all right? And uh, I have no intention of doing that. That's not what this time is about. But as we preach God's word, I hope and I pray that the Holy Spirit would make it feel like that sermon was preached directly to an individual. Amen? Uh, That is what we want. And this is a, a sermon that I believe will... Uh, speak to each of our hearts in John chapter 21 that will set the context in the title of the message if you uh, like those things to keep track of that is lovest thou me and of course this comes from a conversation that Jesus had specifically with the apostle Peter after his resurrection and I want us just to Uh, uh, start reading here in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked a question of Simon. The first time was a little different than the second two, and we'll be uh, trying to show uh, part of the reason for that. But let's just take a moment and, and paint the entire picture if we can. Jesus had risen again. He had appeared to the disciples on Resurrection Sunday in the city of Jerusalem. He had met with them the second Sunday night after that. Then he had given his disciples instructions. I want you to go into Galilee. 
I'm going to meet you there. And for a period of 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus would meet with his disciples and give them uh, instructions in the last parts of, uh, of everything that they would need to know to serve in his absence. You know, the disciples had this idea that when the Messiah came, that he would remain forever and that they would always be working with him. And yet Jesus had repeatedly told them that this time that I come, my ministry is temporary. I'm going to be leaving and I'm going to be coming again. I'm going to give you a duty to fulfill a work to do until I come back. I want to remind you, we're still in that time of serving till he comes back. And this conversation with Peter here has been uh, the subject of much conjecture. Uh, If we have any Greek scholars here, they'll say, well, there was two different words for love used uh, here. There's only one word used in the English language, because both of those words in the Greek language mean the same thing. There is no need to delve into things and try to make things out of something that is not there. Jesus simply said in the first time, he said, Peter, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Then he adds a phrase, more than these. And I've heard all kinds of of, uh, suggestions here. Peter, do you love me more than you do uh, your fishing equipment? Because they had spent the whole night fishing. And and, uh, Peter, uh, do you... Uh, love me because you denied me. And I don't believe that's where Jesus was going there. Why were they fishing all night? Because Peter said, hey, we're waiting for Jesus to meet with us. I'm not going to just sit here and do nothing. I'm going to go fishing. And it wasn't what we call fishing today. Uh, Fishing is one of the best excuses to sit And do absolutely nothing. That's not what the disciples were doing. They weren't just sitting on the deck chairs and throwing a line in and waiting for a bite. What they were doing is they were casting the net and then having to pull it back. I mean, it was back-breaking labor. And they had been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. And they see Jesus on the shore... But they're a little farther away. They really didn't know who he was at this point. He calls unto them, did you catch anything? Children, have you any meat? And they said, no. And he said, cast on the right side. And all of a sudden, the net was full of fish. John looks at Peter and says, that's got to be Jesus. Don't you remember this happened before? Luke chapter 5 is the story. Uh, What does Peter do? He puts on his coat, jumps in the water, and swims. He's going to be the first in line to meet Jesus. You know, Peter was kind of in charge of things, it appears. And 
If you'll remember the night which Jesus was betrayed, it was Peter that protested the loudest. Lord, I'm not leaving you. I'm going to be with you even to my death. I will serve you. And Jesus had told him, listen, before the the cock crows, before the rooster makes its morning call, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter did. You know, Peter was one of those, was that disciple that just thought he was just a cut above all the rest. That his love was just a little more fervent. That his, his strength to serve the Lord was a little more ready. And Jesus, if we look at this in its full context, what he's doing, he said, Peter, do you really still think that you love me more than everybody else does? Peter, do you really think that your love for me is greater than that of all the rest of these disciples? Lovest thou me more than these other disciples that are here? Love me? And let me remind you that the disciples had many arguments among themselves about Who was going to be in charge when Jesus was gone? Remember that? In fact, Peter and John's mother had stepped into the fray and said, Now listen, Lord, I'm only going to ask you one thing. And uh, when you come into your kingdom, I want John on the left and and, uh, James on the right. Or maybe it was James on the right and John, but one on each side. Lord, that, that position... Uh, of your number two people. I, I want that for my sons. A lot of silly stuff went on. And you know what? Still goes on today now, doesn't it? Just came back from a preacher's fellowship. Uh, most of you know I forgot my passport and had to come back for it. Uh, Praise the Lord, I did not get the whole way to the border. But uh, I did miss the ordination council in particular, but was there to preach uh, Thursday night. And, and uh, we, we, it was just a, a blessed time to be there, an encouragement from the other preachers that were there. And, and it was a good, good trip. But as preachers get together, one of the things we talk about is churches. Because that's what our life is. When doctors get together, what do they do? They talk about medical things. When preachers get together, they, they encourage each other and, and talk about things that are going on. And, you know, one of the greatest things that go on in churches is individuals begin to think that my love for Jesus is a little greater than so-and-so's. Or maybe my service is a little more complete than someone else's. And here's the problem. If we are looking at ourselves, to whom is our attention not focused? On Jesus. Jesus is taking this opportunity 
one of the last times that he will be together with his disciples. And he's trying to set some things in order. He's trying to make things uh, so that they will be able to serve him the way that Jesus wants them to serve. And he's got to get a hold of this thing. And so he deals with Peter and he says, now, Peter... Do you still think that your love for me is greater than everybody else's? And you know, Peter really doesn't answer the question that was asked. He just says, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said, Yes, yes, Lord, you know that I, I love you. I want to challenge you to look at the rest of the Bible. Read through the book of Acts. Read through the letters. There were some issues that were brought back and forth, but let me tell you, the only fellow recorded in the New Testament that picked up the argument that was settled here was a guy named Diotrephes in 3 John, whom John said, when I come to that church, I'm going to straighten this guy out. It's his Diotrephes who loved to have the preeminence. By the way, study church history. And what you're going to see in church history is you're going to see individuals trying to claim the preeminence. You ever wonder why there's so many different denominations? Why there's so many different people who say, uh, follow me and let me teach you the Bible and don't listen to anybody else. Uh, they didn't get this first question right here. They're still trying to have my, my love for Jesus is greater. Listen, no, no one can measure your level of love for Jesus except Jesus Christ himself. And he'll do that on judgment day. And what it is time to do is to get our focus off of other people. In fact, Jesus is going to come right back to this very theme because Peter's going to bring it up again. We're, our, our purpose is not to cover these verses, but if you read down the end, of the book of John, uh, here Peter's going to say, Hey, what about John? What's he going to do? And Peter says, Listen, if I will that he tarry till I come, if, if it's of my opinion that he lives till I return, and by the way, there are a few nutcases out there that think John, the beloved disciples, living in a cave somewhere in the land of, uh, in the Middle East, and he's still alive at 2,000 and whatever years old. Uh, no. Jesus said, listen, you follow me. You see, if I love Christ, and you'll notice if you've been here for every service for several weeks, this has kind of been an a ongoing theme. And one of the reasons why I want to uh, preach on this subject this morning is because one of the greatest proofs of our love for Christ, one of the greatest checkups that you can look at yourself and evaluate yourself and your love for Christ is coming up. It's called Missions Conference. You see, love 
demands action. Amen? Jesus, and we'll get there in a few moments, said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. And he's looking at Peter, and Peter has this all in the context here. And he says, Peter, do you get the point? Do you understand what's going on? You spent much of your time before my death and resurrection protesting your special position and your special love for me that it was a little greater than the rest. And you've had a very serious setback. The only one of the disciples to publicly deny Jesus was Peter. And he says, Yea, Lord, Peter said, Yes, Lord, yea, Lord, thou, thou knowest that I love thee. And then what did Jesus say? He said, Feed my lambs. How many of you remember Luke chapter 17, where Jesus said, If ye offend one of these little ones, it were better that a millstone were tied around your neck and you were cast into the depths of the sea. How many of you have ever seen a real millstone? Uh, we had we took a day this summer and took the family up to Phillipsburg Manor up on the, the Hudson River there. It was a 1600s, uh, late 1600s mill. And they actually had one of the uh, millstones out there where they were working on resurfacing in it and everything. And, and as far as millstones are concerned, it was a fairly small mill. The millstone was only about this big around. There were two of them one on top of each other. Each one weighed about 850 pounds. Now, don't go swimming with an 850-pound weight around your neck. Amen? Um, people would think that you were trying to get something else accomplished. But Jesus said, if you offend one of these little ones, it were better that that thing were tied around your neck than you were thrown in the sea. And he had also talked about how many times we are to forgive our brothers. Peter said, Lord, should I forgive someone seven times? How many of you remember the response? Not seven times. Seventy times seven. What was the disciples' response to that teaching? That warning? Lord, increase our faith. You say, well, what does that passage have to do with this passage? Um, does lambs sound like little ones to you? Sounds like little ones to me. Would not saying, Lord, increase our faith be very similar to saying, Lord, increase my love for you. Because what does faith do? Faith is believing God's word to the point of obedience. Amen? Amen. That's, that's what faith is. And Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. You know, there's, 
There's an integral relationship between faith and love. And every one of us, I guess the best way to put this here, does your love for Christ encourage those little ones to build their faith in Jesus? Does, does your love for Christ encourage those new Christians, those babes in Christ, to want to serve him more? And if you have to sit there and go, well, boy, I need to think about that. Maybe for point one, what you need to do is say, with the disciples in Luke 15, Lord, I mean Luke chapter 10, I'm sorry. Lord, increase our faith. Amen? Lord, let me not look at others, but look at you. Jesus was telling Peter this, not only for Peter's admonition, but for yours and I's mine today. That we would hear these words and understand what Jesus is asking here. And ask God for a love for Christ that will reach out to those babes in Christ and encourage them along the way. That's what Feed My Lambs is all talking about. That's not only responsibility of pastors and, and those in the ministry. It is a responsibility that every person who claims to love Jesus Christ has. Amen? And we need to seek that. Does my faith encourage others? That's one of the reasons why we give money to the missionaries. Because we want them to find new Christians in foreign countries. We want to see new churches established here in the United States. We want to see the gospel go around the world. It is the answer. I don't care what the question is. It is the answer. But Jesus didn't stop there. No sooner had Peter, had he told Peter... Feed my lambs. And we come down here to verse 16. He saith to him again the second time. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter's answer was the same. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. This time Jesus said, He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15. Now, John chapter 15 and John chapter 21 are at the most just a few weeks removed from one another. The, the event that separates these two, of course, was the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But in chapter 15, and I just want to read verses 9 through 17 of John chapter 15. If ye keep my commandments... Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go, for, go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Now this is Jesus' teaching on love. And the second time he omits that more than these, because the issue's been dealt with. As I said, never again do we find the disciples arguing among themselves who's going to be in charge, who's going to be the leader. Uh, they let the Lord take care of that thing from that point forward. Our love for the Lord is a precious thing, yes, but it, it's constantly moving, is it not? Sometimes we just are overcome with warm feelings toward the Lord and a, and a desire to please Him. Other times, it's, it, it's just a struggle with the flesh to get ourselves to do what is right. And, and, and we often get discouraged. And, and as we look at other people, we, we find sometimes we find encouragement from them to do what is right. Other times, we find discouragement. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to have joy. Now, every time I ask the question of myself, or how many of you could use more joy in your life? I think all of us could use a little more joy. Amen. Well, how do we get that joy? Well, here's what Jesus said. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, what was the joy that was in Jesus? Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You go down to verse 22 of that same chapter. He's talking about his church. He's talking about people getting saved. And I'm kind of excited about what's going to happen in a few minutes toward the end of our service. We've got two people going to follow the Lord in baptism this morning. And that's a special thing. When, when a person says, I just want to obey what the Bible says. You know, that's faith. Just obeying what the Bible says. That is love. For the Lord, his joy was his church. 
This is a Baptist church. You cannot become a member of a Baptist church until, number one, you get saved. And by the way, there's only one way of salvation. That is putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Uh, it's not, you don't trust an open door Bible Baptist church to get saved. The church did not die for you, Jesus did. There is no salvation in any organization. Salvation is in a person. It is in the person that paid the price for all of your sins. But if you're going to obey that person, guess what you're going to do? You're going to get baptized. And you're going to serve him through his church. These are the commandments that he spoke about here. That's why as a church, uh, I don't encourage you just to go out and uh, send money to every organization. As a church, we carefully uh, 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 screen and and talk to those that we invite in. And, and I'm excited about several of the missionaries that we have coming in this year. Uh, got to spend a little bit of time with Brother Park. Uh, he was born and raised in Korea, saved in Korea, went to Bible college in South Korea, started three churches, and then he was called to the United States to start churches among Korean-speaking people here. And after 24 years in the United States, he says, I want to go back. I'll tell you what, we need to help somebody like that. I want to have a part of that ministry. He has got a spirit that you, you'll just fall in love with Brother and Mrs. Park as soon as you meet him. Why? Because they're keeping his commandments. And guess what? One of his commandments is that we're supposed to love one another. It's easy to say... I love the people that live on the other side of the earth. You know why? Because you don't have to put up with them when they play the radio too loud in their apartment next door. Amen? It's easy to say, I love somebody that you don't see and have interaction with every day or on a regular time period. It's a little harder to love people that we have to face all the time now, isn't it? Because people do things that are just downright irritating. You've never had that problem, I'm sure. Sometimes people do things that are downright offensive. Isn't that true? But let me ask you this question. Does your love for Christ give you the ability to love others even if they bother you? Jesus said greater love in that passage. We just read the verse. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life while we were still his enemies. 
He said, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. And by the way, let me warn you that Jesus Christ is the only one that has the right to say that. Don't you ever allow another human being to influence you with those words. Well, if you really loved me, you would. I'll tell you what, God's going to have to have pity if some young man ever tries that on one of my daughters. Amen? But I hope that I've trained my daughters enough to know that anybody that would pull that stunt has no understanding of the word love. You say, well, why can Jesus say it and get away with it? Because he is love, my friend. It's only by doing what he commands us that we can have that joy and that peace. The fulfillment, the true satisfaction that life has all comes within Christ. It is the obedience to his word that is the key to loving him. And the P comes to Peter the second time saying, Lovest thou me? Because this is a question that you and I need to ask ourselves every day. Yes, we need to get to the point to where we're past looking at others and comparing ourselves among ourselves because that just generates pride and it just generates uh, 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 anxiety and frustration. But if we don't keep our hearts focused on Christ, it gets distracted. How often did Jesus say you had to pick up your cross and follow him? Daily. Why, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, did he say, give us this month our monthly bread? Well, I mean, we only print the Baptist bread every two months, right? Uh, No, it's give us this day our daily bread. Because our love can be unfocused in just moments. He says, Peter, you've got to keep that focus. Does your love for Christ encourage others to love Christ? In spite of the fact that you may be offended by that very person that you're trying to encourage to love Christ. That's what Jesus is asking the second time. But he's not going to stop the second time. He's going to go on back to John chapter 21. He's going to go on and ask him the third time. And Peter's going to get the message the third time. Look what it says. Verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou? Thou me? Why was Peter grieved the third time? Anybody want to venture a guess? Because how many times did he deny the Lord? Three times? What was Peter being reminded of right here? Was Peter grieved because Jesus... Ask him three times 
Or was Peter really grieved because he was remembering that he had denied the Lord three times? I wish that every person who is a Christian that has ever experienced failure or sin in their lives would understand what Jesus was doing right here. Because there's a multitude of people who trust Jesus as their Savior, who want to serve God, but because of some sin that was committed in their life, they get discouraged and they quit serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was saying, Peter, do you love me enough to put your failures and your sin under the blood of Jesus Christ and leave them there and move forward in your service for me. Amen? You see, sometimes we think, and wrongly so, Well, I really messed up here. I've got to do something. I've even had people say, Oh, Pastor, I haven't been to church in a long time and everybody will think something wrong about me if I come. I said, You got it all messed up. I said, If anybody's going to think bad about you because you started coming to church again, uh, they got something to straighten out at the altar. Amen? Uh, if somebody's, if anybody's thinking anything, they're going to be glad that you came back. That's what this place is about. That's why it's a church. Because individuals mess up. Individuals fall out. But as the church keeps going, guess what it's going to be? It's still going to be there for you to come back to. Remember one person said, what are you doing? Haven't seen you in a couple of years. Oh, we're doing the same thing we were doing when you left. But we want you to come back and be a part. We don't want you to allow things that Christ has forgiven you for to hinder your service for Christ. That's why the end of Hebrews chapter 12, and we're not going to take time to go all through that this morning, but it tells us that we're to lift up the falling hands. We're to encourage them that, that are discouraged in the way and keep people uh, uh, serving Christ. And that is a process. Galatians chapter 6 says that ye which are spiritual are supposed to come along those that are overtaken in a fault and bear their burden. It says, so, so fulfill ye the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? That ye love one another as I have loved you. <coughs> That's what this passage is all about. Jesus is giving Peter an overview of every issue that he would ever face in the ministry. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you still think that your love for me is greater than someone else's? Let's get that thing settled. It's not your job to evaluate anyone else's love for Christ. 
It's your job just to preach the word and teach the word and keep your focus on me so that those little ones... You see, what happens with those little ones so often is they get their attention on another person. So-and-so's the best Christian I know. Well, let me tell you something. Even the best Christian you know is going to discourage you. It's going to fail you at one time or another. What you got to do is keep your love centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we teach those little ones, don't focus on me as the preacher, focus on the word. Don't focus on another human being, focus on the word. Because that's where the answer is. That's where the love is. By the way, it's going to be a struggle each and every day of your life as a servant of Jesus Christ to just simply keep his commandments, to get self out of the way. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What are you going to give? True love demands the sacrifice of self, does it not? It demands you to alter behavior. Young lady meets young man, and all of a sudden, young man decides that maybe I better look in the mirror before I go out. Comb that hair. And uh, maybe I don't like where the bulges are, and so I got to go to the gym and change that. Move them from the middle up a little bit and, and, and get things looking the way they ought to. Why do people do that? Because they care about what that other person thinks. They're altering behavior. And Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to alter your behavior. And when you do, the things that bring me joy are going to bring you joy. And when I fulfill my joy in your life, you're going to have a joy that no man can take away. And you won't have a problem giving of yourself. The world talks about Love with no strings attached. Unconditional love. Let me tell you the only way. The only way you can unconditionally love another human being is through the power of Jesus Christ. Every person that loves and cares for another human being we, it's just human nature. We expect something in return. Do we not? Hello? Are we still alive? I mean, if you met that person you felt was the uh, epitome of your dreams for your uh, a spouse, that person that you wish to marry, and you wrote them a hundred thousand words in emails, as somebody I know did, no names. But 
and they wrote you two sentences, you'd say, something's wrong here, wouldn't you? But if that person responded with another 100,000 words, which she did, you might just think that there's something going on there. Amen? And Jesus left the glories of heaven to be born in a manger, to suffer, to be spit upon and beaten, to die on a cross. What did we do? What has been our response? That's what this second question is about. And then this third one. If you have not failed the Savior after your salvation, you will. Doesn't mean you have to go out and murder someone or commit adultery or do some huge, uh, terrible sin. But Jesus died on the cross for the little sins just like he did for the big ones. Are we going to allow sin to stop us from serving Christ? Well, pastor, when I get this thing straightened out, I'll serve the Lord. Uh, excuse me, what is church about? This is the spiritual hospital where you get the healing. Amen. Don't stay away from church and the preaching of God's word. This is what you need to get things straightened out. This is where you're going to get the help to overcome and to walk with the Lord each and every day. Three times Jesus said to Simon Peter, lovest thou me? And each time Peter answered, Lord, you know I love you. The last time he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Was Peter... Telling Jesus something he didn't know already? Of course not. Jesus is God. He knew everything. But no sooner is Peter going to be done with this than he's going to say, Lord, what's he going to do? Jesus had to straighten him out again. Peter, uh, let's go back over this again. Do you love me more than these? Or are you going to stop comparing everybody else and just love me? Peter. Do you understand the focus of each and every day is on your love for me? By the way, you have problems loving another human being. Get a little closer to Jesus and you won't have a choice. Because his love will spill over into your life and fill it up. And that's how you can love others. Amen. And then when I fail... Yes, get grieved. One of the great problems of our day, we don't have any time to address it at all this morning, but people are just not grieved with their sin anymore. But others are so grieved with their sin that they have to sit in a room and stare at the wall all day. They can't even do any, they, they just stop living. Jesus said, Peter, what you did is under the blood. It's forgiven it's over. It's never going to be brought up again because I paid for it on the cross. Now you get busy feeding my sheep because that's the business of the Christian. That's what the church 
is about. And what I want us to do in the next few moments here is, as we call it the time of invitation, it's a time to act upon the Word of God. Would you take a few moments and evaluate your love relationship with God? Have you been looking at others so that you feel better about yourself? It's a pretty rotten thing to do, my friend. What you got to do is look to Jesus. Amen? Maybe you just got off focus a little bit. Maybe... Somebody hurt you and you're thinking about that hurt. Well, uh, let's move a little closer to Jesus. Because love demands obedience. You say, well, how do I obey God? Well, first you get saved. Amen. Second, you get baptized. Third, you serve God in church. By the way, I have one that I recommend very highly. Amen. I always like to say that right here. In case you're wondering. And will your love for Christ, not will it, but does your love for Christ, allow you to serve Him even when you fail? Because He's bigger than our sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would direct in hearts and lives this morning. Lord, that you would help us to see and understand that the reason you asked these questions was not only for Peter's admonition, but for ours. And Lord, as we're preparing for this missions conference, the most hurtful thing that could go on, the thing that would derail all of the planning and all the work that's gone into it, is if we as individuals don't have our love for you where it ought to be. Lord, we ask that you would help us, that you would work in us, that you would overcome ourselves that you would write your joy and your designs over top of those that we might have, that we would find that surrender of our wills to yours, that we might have obedience, love, faith, all of these in your precious Son, Jesus. We ask that our love would be shown by what happens in our missions conference next week. And just as important, how we live tomorrow and the rest of this one. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you come and lead us in the...